Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. This is Tony, and you're listening to Comic Conversations, episode 248, where we talk all things comics for the week of October 10th, 2019. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm trying to keep up that 1849 demo, brother. I know. We're working on I'm it so to, much. I'm trying to learn the lessons AEW didn't learn. Like, uh, I was thinking maybe we need to have, um, Mick Carter's from WWE come on her. We need to have, <laughs> we need to have Jericho come on and say shit. Jericho could come on. Yeah, that would, that would work. That pops the crowd. Well, he fits though, cause he's got the dad bod and we do a comic show. And everyone that reads comic books pretty much has a dad bod. Yeah, no offense, guys. I mean, fuck, for fuck's sake. I'm, well, I'm like fucking 80 pounds overweight. Well, to here, be so. fair, to be fair, you guys all, we all have dad bods cause most of you guys are dads. Well, yeah, I am in fact a dad. So that's probably some of it as well. All right, let's go into our first segment this week. News. Okay, Alex, you can sing along now. I uh, I actually can't hear it unless you have your mic cued. <laughs> Say that again? I I don't think I can hear it unless you have your mic cued. Oh, well. I thought I fixed it. Well, I could hear it when you talk, so that's something. That is weird. It's okay. Don't worry about it. As long as the people can hear it. Because the thing is, I thought I had fixed it, and when we were doing our... uh... When we were doing our test, I was like, oh my god, I finally got it to work because I was thinking around my setup. I was like, I think we finally had a breakthrough. I think I finally fixed it to where Alex can hear what I'm saying, or he can hear the music. It's okay. It's not a big deal. No, no, it's not. And then, you know, the thing is, we're also talking news, and there's not a lot of news this week. No, no. Uh, but the news is, Rob Liefeld is teasing lawsuit against Marvel, and he's not saying what it is, but it has something to do with Deadpool, because he's, he mentioned Bob Iger. Like he's going all the way to Disney. And the only thing I could think is, um, his, uh, recent return to Marvel, like it started really big and then people are like, Oh yeah, he's shit. So the book stopped selling and he lost ownership of Youngblood. So he really has nothing right now and nobody wants to work with him. So he's got to get that money. That Levi's money did not stick around. I think for what he, long. I, I think what he's suing for is, um, because we've had this with the daughter of Stanley as well. She's also suing. I think all these folks are suing for go away money. Yeah, the the funny thing of it is, it's like when they give money, like Jim Starlin got some money because they used Thanos, right? Even though they didn't have to, they didn't have to give yeah, any it, of these guys yeah, money. When they none did, none of them have to give any of them any money. They they gave Brubaker money. They've given other people that have written famously written storylines. I don't know about other people, but we know for a fact those two got paid. Yeah, because that's what they do now. They just if you had some hand in a story they're adapting or a character they're using, they give you some money. I don't believe it's a lot of money. But they give you some money. Well, it may not be a lot of money to Disney. And maybe he's not, uh, like, you know, he's not getting that Deadpool money. And he knows Disney's going to make a movie. 
So yeah, because the thing is, they not, may not win in the court of law, but they could win the court of public opinion, and they could just give them money to go away. I don't know if they just tell people what Rob Liefeld is. Like, I think we could get away. I, I remember when the story first broke. I told uh, Dave, former host, I said uh, they should give him the money permitted he can draw a foot. I. <laughs> I also want to say that uh, if you look at the Deadpool character he created, mm-hmm. everything about him, the way he looks, his personality, is nothing like the modern-day Deadpool. His Deadpool was a rip-off Deathstroke and even looked more like a rip-off well, Deathstroke. Well, I'm the one that always says, who cares who invented these characters? Most of these moderate iterations of the character, and especially – you know, the stories that they're famous for, it's like, who really cares who invented these characters? Because, like, okay, the X-Men, yeah, Lee and Kirby did the the X-Men, but they did the X-Men that nobody liked that got canceled. No, and I don't know if Chris Claremont gets money. Well, the last couple X-Men movies didn't make any money, so. But even Claremont didn't invent the modern-day X-Men. He kind of did. I thought it was uh, uh, Ween. He was just an artist. Yeah, but I Cla- Claremont wrote X Men for the longest. Who, so who if wrote, you who wrote that first introductory issue, the giant size annual, the first remake? Yeah, I don't. Think I'm not was, sure. I don't think that was Claremont because Claremont's big one was uh, he was already writing it, but um, it was the multi cover X Men with the Jim Lee did like 20 covers mm-hmm. that that was the highest selling x-men issue at the time and it was it was during his run of i wrote x-men for 20 fucking years and pretty much every story you do is going to touch on something no, i did i was right lee Wen wrote that original giant size i thought he was an artist he does both oh okay because cockrum is the was the oh yeah cockrum. dave dave cockrum <laughs> wow. Well, we'll see what shakes out with uh Rob Liefeld. If we don't hear anything, it probably means he got a settlement. <laughs> and I think that's gonna wind up happening with a lot of they, businesses. But the problem is they gave, they gave him twenty thousand dollars in a ham sandwich. Yeah, pretty much. My, my th- pass to Disney. My thing is if they keep paying people, I mean, at what point do they say no? At what point do they put their foot down and be like, we can't keep giving everybody money that comes? When, when somebody asks for a specific amount of money, like a ridiculously large amount. Yeah, if it's like $20,000 and uh, a release that they won't sue, I think that's good enough or for most. Or it's like the fucking guy who did the colors on the comic is asking for money or something. Yeah, that's when they may put like, their... But the thing is, that won't get headlines if it's a... You know, famous writer. Also, famous doesn't it doesn't entail quality. It just they're a famous creator. Well, yeah, but I mean, this is mostly comic website news. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, any, any name that'll that'll get anyone's interest up. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's what we had for news. But then I also get the feeling some people will have shame because they'll be like, "Oh wait, I want to work with Marvel in the future." Maybe I shouldn't sue. Yeah, Rob Rob Liefeld's nostalgia run didn't last that yeah, but, long. But the thing is, know. he can keep coming back in like five years. Everyone will forget how terrible he was recently, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, Liefeld." When they do like a Deadpool five, no, because the people who give a shit are gonna be dead. 
I mean, his big period, not not to be a dick, but his big period was like the 90s. And they were probably like, what, 30, 40 when they read it. Mm -hmm. So they're 60 now. And they are comic book fans. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one thing I, I do admit that I do like about comic books. It's they've long since given up trying to get new fans. So predominantly the two big companies they're only they, re- i feel like at times i'm spoiled because they're catering they to haven't us. they haven't though they it's not that they can't get they do try to get new fans like the new 52 was all about trying to get new yeah, fans. But it didn't work well it did briefly uh, it spiked some sales but for the most part you know after a couple of weeks or i think months probably no it was months okay. it was months and then people stopped buying it but they also did like an actual marketing push where they were they were advertising on tv but the, the like problem comics with, never do that. but the problem with that was if yeah the, the books the, were bad the books were bad people didn't come back and the thing is when you did that you you scared off all your old-time readers yeah, and there were more of them than new people who came in. And after looking at that chart that got leaked to to the media, I, I you know I told former host Dave I was like, this is why Marvel should never do a reboot. Just look at that example and like that's the reason why Marvel should never do oh, a reboot. He's he's talking about DC at New York Comic Con released the current timeline. And it just it was just a cluster, and it's just like. But the thing is, that's what that's what DC fans like. What, the convoluted continuity? Yeah, because it's not actually convoluted. Not really. It seems like it. If, if you, Yeah, I know it seems like it, but if you look at it, it's actually not that complicated. The history of the X-Men is more complicated <laughs> than anything DC I would say just I would just say the Claremont stuff is complicated. Everybody else's run pretty, seems pretty straightforward. 20 years he wrote that fucking book, so I know. you got a lot of time there. <laughs> but it's also been years since that run too and the, the fact of the matter is people are going to make less and less reference to that and when, they're throwing they're throwing claremont a bone by the way he's going to be writing an x-men book yeah he's the same way he'll the come Hickman back ignores he'll come back write some stuff and then people will be reminded how bad he is, and then he'll go away for a while, and then he'll come back and do stuff well, again. And people will have forgotten how bad he was when he came back, and the process will loop itself. Well, That's why I think Lee Phil's being short-sighted here, because the thing is, what, two, three years from now, I'm sure he's going to want to write some more books. Well, it's the, the funny thing about Claremont is it's like the last time they brought him back for something was when uh, – was when uh, Morrison did New X-Men. Hmm. And they were like, well, maybe this will alienate some of our longtime fans. So they got Chris Claremont to write a boring X-Men book mm-hmm. that was like, you know, I'm going to drop 800,000 subplots that I'm never going to resolve. Like, he did that. And it's like, okay, so now we have something for we're trying to get new people to read this, but we still have something for the old fans. And now Hickman's doing all this wacky stuff and it's like, okay, but we might alienate the old fans, so let's get Claremont to write a book again. Well, because they, they've done that in the past. Remember when Kitty and Colossus were getting married? He wrote an issue. Um, I believe for a while he was writing a Nightcrawler solo book. Yeah, I don't think he ever he ever had like a falling out with Marvel. I think he – well, he kind of did actually, but nothing nothing that prevented him from coming back. So he could just always come back. He – 
he's never shown a great deal of interest in like creator owned stuff. Like I know he's done things, but he's never shown like a huge interest in it. And he just keeps coming back to X-Men because that's what he's famous for. Yeah. And I don't, and the thing is people forget. I was saying, well, the, with this, with this, him suing, he's probably burning his bridges. But the fact of the matter is, eh, people forget. That's all right. Yeah, exactly. All right. all right. That's going to do it for news this week. Let's move on to our next segment. This week's books. Huh, Alex, it's not your imagination. I noticed. I'm looking at the. The readout here for music, and it is really low. Well, how would my imagination, like my ears, I don't imagine sounds. Uh, I'm gonna have to tinker with my setup a lot more often because now, now I can see from the from the listener's point of view, the music's coming out low. Like it's it's picking up something, but it's coming out really low. So I have to tinker with it for next week. Oh, okay. I, I thought I'd fixed it, but it looks like I'm just created new problems. All right, with out of the way, let's go into these books, which include Powers of X6, Marvelous Ms. Marvel 8, Doctor Doom 1, Joker Harley Criminal Sandy 1, Joker Year the Villain 1, Flash 80, Event Leviathan 5, Batman's Grave 1, and open up this week's books, Batman or Black Hammer, Justice League 1, writer Jeff Lemire, art by Michael Walsh. Um, the, the two most important moments in this comic. I think you know where I'm going with this was they had two separate scenes where, first of all, Mr. Mixel Pitalik is behind it all. <laughs> um, so we, we got that, but, uh, the best parts in this comic were they had a scene where flash goes, well, yeah, we've got oh, to God. save wonder woman, Batman and Superman from that other world. No mention of cyborg. Boom. And then later on fucking green lantern is there. And he's like, well, you might be the one behind Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman disappearing to that other world again. Cyborg ignored. Like, he's not a fucking part of the team. And I read that once and laughed and posted it on Facebook. The second time, I laughed harder. And I'm like, God, just get him off this fucking team. This is ridiculous. You have John Stewart on the, the team now, so you have no excuse for continuing to put Cyborg on the team. Other than you did it before now, and if you cave to everyone, everyone know why you did it. It's like, what are you staying true to the movie continuity that nobody liked? Like, who yeah. gives a shit? Just fucking bring Martian Manhunter back. No, if if they take it off, they'll be admitting they were wrong, and they don't want to do that. They're not Vince McMahon. They're a fucking uh, company that has to make money. How long did they let New Fifty Two go? For a while until they got Jeff Johns to fix it. For a good five years. And technically it's still going on. Well, I mean, it went on longer because Doomsday Clock is never going to end. <laughs> We're never going to get so, that 12th issue. I think I, that reveal was supposed to indicate that he's close to finishing issue 12, which, again, is appalling. He should be done by now. Yeah, he should have been done a year ago. Actually, literally, he should have been done a year ago. Yeah, it's it's really sad. <laughs> no, but uh, other than that, they uh, they romped around and uh, um, they found talkie walkie um in the Black Hammer world, who 
inform them that no you've only been here for two days not 10 years and batman's like that's kind of right do do we actually remember any details about the 10 years so they went to um the witch girl's little yeah her her house and opened the door and all the zombie monster skeleton guys came out so they had to fight them uh meanwhile uh colonel weird and uh green lantern and Flash were and Flash were hopping through mystery world of nowhere, and uh, they found Mister Mixelpitalik, who revealed that he was in fact behind it all, all along. And yeah, somebody's like gonna have to die to go back or something. Or no, they all have to agree to go back, and Gail doesn't want to go back. Yeah. Because she can turn into... Oh, and the Spectre got involved, too? Yeah, because the Spectre was able to figure out what was going on, and pretty much said, okay, you guys being here is sort of damaging space-time continuum, so we have to kill Golden Gale. And that's sort of where (laughs) the issue ended off. Because it's Spectre, and he's like, yeah, I just fucking kill her. Whatever. Well, I think it's, it's more right. so she's not supposed to be uh, a grown adult right now, and her being a grown adult is sort of messing with because, whatever time space can con- continue. Well, it was deal with. it was because Zatanna used her magic on another universe's magic, yeah, and she should not have done that. So there there was a cute exchange with uh, Dragonfly and uh, what was it, Z- Zatanna? <laughs> oh, didn't didn't they make fun of each other's costumes? Yeah, no, because first, uh, I think, uh, yeah, they made fun of their costumes, and I think uh, Dragonfly made fun of Z- Zatanna. No, 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 Zatanna made fun of uh, Dragonfly's hair, and she's all, yeah, and I smell cheap hair dye. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. He's a good writer. This yeah. is enjoyable. This, it's ending. Here's how you know this is written by the guy who's writing one of the continuing books. It, it doesn't feel like a cheap crossover. It feels like there's stakes. But at the same time, I feel like he's adding to his Black Hammer continuity. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if when Black Hammer comes back, um, anything that happens in this would actually stay there. Because usually with these crossovers, you know, at the end they don't remember what happened and this was just done for whatever, for whatever business they thought doing a crossover would be. But considering Lemire is so close with DC, I get the feeling what happened in this book is going to have lasting effects, which was why I was sort of disappointed we got mixed up little because I was like, oh, he should have introduced a new character they could establish as a threat for his book going forward, doing something with a DC character is going to sort of hamper him because I'm sure they're fine with him using the DC characters now, but once this crossover is over, this is still a Dark Horse book, so I don't know if they're going to be cool with him using characters like that. Uh, that I don't know. But like I said, we'll this, is, this, is, this is better than most of your average crossovers who are usually written by a guy that isn't writing both books and it's sort of a copy and paste oh well this is what i know of the characters and let's have them fight for a little bit and then they team up together and then the crossover's over yeah all right let's move on to uh dc comics with the batman's grave one of 12 writer warren ellis artist brian hitch i really really like this this might have been my favorite book this week i thought this was okay Okay, I actually thought this was really good because they did something different. So 
the story behind the title is, um, and it's not just a Batman story, although what they did with Batman I liked, which I'll talk about. It's also an Alfred story, and it opens up, and Alfred is, uh, you know, attending to the graves of uh, Batman's parents, and uh, Bruce Wayne's grave is right next to it because the parents, they loved their home, and they wanted to be buried there, and they wanted Bruce whenever he dies to be buried next to them, which, you know, not really putting any thought into the fact that the fucker might have a family of his own, but, you know, fair enough. So he's doing it, and he was remarking on the fact that, you know, before he stops being a butler, he's probably going to be burying Bruce here, even though he's a lot younger. So he goes in the house to get drunk. Batman is uh, investigating a mysterious murder, and what I liked was they actually showed Batman doing detective work which we don't get to see a lot of anymore, but I like when he does it. Like they're showing his reasoning as he's thinking through this and they're showing him collecting evidence and stuff. And I really, I really like that because Batman is the world's greatest detective. Mm. So that was cool. And then he goes back and finds Alfred and Alfred's drunk. And, uh, he basically just calls, calls Batman out. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you keep doing this, you're going out, you're going to get yourself killed. You're not actually helping, um, was, was kind of his point. He's like, no matter, no matter what happens, uh, Gotham is going to continue to be shit. And he told them, he's like, you could have used your money to buy the fucking city. And, he even brought up uh, – sometimes I, I get the feeling that all I'm doing is I'm an old soldier who's helping a really rich man to leave his mansion at night in an expensive <laughs> car to go visit horrible beatings upon poor people. And Bruce is like – you know, he's he's humoring him and he's like, well, that's not what we do. And he's like, really? It, it's, it's not what you do? Because he's like, in all honesty, these people you're beating up. Like these, they're, they're poor people. Not all of them are. Well, but most of, most of them are the grunts. He's like, and they've either been forced into this by gangsters or, you know, the supervillains. And he's like, well, they have choices. And then Alfred's like, he's like, yeah, maybe we should just kill them all then. And you know, actually end it because what you're doing is not going to help because of the fact that people have choices. There are always people who are going to choose to work for these supervillains or to turn to crime. And you're not going after root causes. You're just attacking the, you're attacking the, uh, the after effects. You're not attacking, you're, you're attacking the again. symptoms, not the cause. That's your yeah. And for. you actually are a person who could help. Well, so he, you know, he's, he's apparently upset with what Alfred has said. So and they punched he, him. <laughs> well, so he has to go to work and he finds out the guy who killed the other guy was hiding under the floorboards or under the bed. And yes. he went back to find him. And the guy looks like a total fucking nutball. Um, but we'll see where it goes. Warren Ellis is a good writer. And Brian Hitch is a really good artist. I like seeing them together again. Mm-hmm. And I like that they're trying to do something with it. Because if you're going to do like a mini on Batman, 
you really should try to do say something with it because yeah, do, otherwise it's do just some, like do something different because at the end of the day it, it doesn't really count because usually these minis are just out of continuity so if you're gonna do something do something off the wall because you know at the end of the day it doesn't matter so you can do stuff that you normally couldn't get away with with the normal continuity and yeah. I, I i i i agree i i like i like the I, I like the commentary he's adding to the Batman mythos, but at the same time... Yeah, because it's something that doesn't get brought up. I don't but... agree with it, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I see where he's coming from. And like I mentioned earlier, this is a mini, so the consequences aren't super important, so... No, it's just it's just looking at the character and doing something with the uh the realities of the characters I and think, he did it i mean ellis is a good writer so he's gonna he's gonna be able to have a handle on it i but. think i was disappointed because i expected a lot more it's still a really good story but when in my mind i conjured a warren ellis written batman story um, i think my expectations were a little too high it is an interesting story it is an interesting take but at the end of the day what i imagined isn't what i got well, there's no, you know, there's no Joker, there's no Two Face, there's no Riddler, there was no supervillain in mm-hmm. this, nor were they discussed because I don't think that's the story he's telling. No, it's more Batman's reaction to the more by the numbers crime and, he deals with. And no offense, I I don't see Alfred really talking like this in your standard issue. Batman well, he story. he was drunk. Yeah. So I mean, they did, and it would make sense because he was taking care of the graves of the people who employed him and he was thinking i i mean he's he's effectively batman's dad like he's the one who actually raised him Mm -hmm. and he's he was just looking at like this is the life he has and i let him come to this which probably would make you feel like shit and you probably want to have a drink (laughs) so it makes sense so coming from high expectations to low expectations our next book Joker, Harley, Criminal, Sanity, One of Nine, writer Kemi Garcia, art by Andres Sorrentino. This book was significantly better than I thought it was going to be. I thought this book was going to be a waste of time because I saw Joker and Harley in the title. And I'm like, no, Alex, it, why are we reading this? Please, can we not it, read okay. this? I, I read it for two reasons. Number number one, I thought the art would be very good, which it was. The art was incredibly very good. Very good. Um, and number two, it was a novelist was writing it. And I thought, well, let's support somebody in their first comic writing. And it was uh, a prequel. It's actually not in continuity. Mm-hmm. It, cause it's, it's black label. It's their, their new line. They so can show it, it's not in continuity at all. <laughs> and I thought, um, a lot of times when, uh, writers come to do comics, there are some tells. And it's generally too much, uh, too much text. And I, I don't think she actually fell to that, but you can tell she doesn't have a lot of experience writing comics. There was, there was a lot of, um, she's we're written, going to go through. I believe she's written a, a Raven book before, so she's done some stuff. Well, okay. She's still, still though. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could. You could tell she was very uh, so the the premise of the book is and this is why it's Elseworlds uh, Harley is a criminal profiler. Yeah, in the in the mainline continuity, she was a shrink who Joker fucked with and 
basically ruined her. But in this, she's a criminal profiler, and she's at the uh, – nobody knows who the Joker is yet. The Joker's just starting out, mm-hmm. and he's doing all kinds of weird shit. So they they kind of follow her around, and she's – you know, she's she's apparently an amazing criminal profiler because she's helped catch all these murderers and stuff. But, you know, Joker is a different sort of criminal. And there was a long discussion of um, – because the cops are like, oh, the guy's just crazy. And she's like, no, that's that's not true. And she's given, you know, the – the scientific definition of insanity where, you know, you, you can't be insane if you know what you're doing. And she gave examples of various serial killers and like, you know, this one was actually fucking insane. And, you know, um, yeah, she made, she, she felt the need to point out, you know, when they're insane, they don't realize what they're doing, but she mentioned all these other serial killers they weren't insane because they knew what they were doing and they were evading the law and they knew what they were well, yeah, doing. They they were all the famous ones, which I actually it went on for too long. It was like eight pages, and it's like yeah, I I know who fucking Ted Bundy is. Mm. Like I, I I get it. Like I understand. Like you you're not teaching me anything here. It's it's 2019 and every fucking show on Netflix is a goddamn serial killer well, to documentary. Be, to be fair, they they did. You know, they did sort of, uh, they sort of, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they knew that because they even brought up that there's so much popular fiction now that's centered around this and people are just enamored with these serial killers and that's just part of society now. Yeah. And they even had one of them, one of them, like a, a fanboy basically trying to, trying to get her to talk to him and she just blew him off. Um, but yeah, no Joker in this yet. Just it's, it's, it's basically a crime story. I mean, it's kind of hurt by the fact that we know it's the Joker. So you're by, by the title of your comic, you're ruining any sort of mystery. And I, I think that hurts it a little bit because there is no mystery. We know it's the Joker Mm. and it's just what happens next. And does this end with, you know, her becoming Harley Quinn? And it's just like an alternate origin. Mm-hmm. But the art was fantastic. I, I, um, I almost – I'm highly recommending everyone pick this up if just for the art. The story is really good, but if whatever reason why you have your – you have your – you know, you're having your second guesses, if just for the art, pick it up because it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's nice to look at. And like I, I will read the second issue to see what they do with it. And But I mean – you know, my big problem with it was it's like I think I watch at least three fucking TV shows about profilers. Yeah. Like I'm watching fucking Mindhunters. I've watched CSI. I watched the show with the girl and Angel and they do the science thing, but they're still pro. Like I watch a lot of these fucking shows. Bones. And I'm getting Bones. Yeah. And I'm getting fucking. And that's not even what that's supposed to be. It's just they end up doing it. Mm-hmm. So. I'm looking at, I'm reading this and I'm like, God, I, f- I fucking read all this before. It's just, it's the Joker, mm. but he's not there yet. So we'll see. She seems to be pretty well together though. Like yeah, she's, she's not hinting she's, at she's being on the ball. Insane. Yeah. There's no, there's no signs. And considering the story is out of continuity, they may just not pull the trigger. And that's sort of the fun. Yeah, of they these, could, these they could skip it. Books. And we don't, yeah, we don't know. 
Because they can do anything since so it's not in continuity. There was a lot of surprises this week. So I was not expecting to be good, and it wound up being good. That's why I always pick number ones, brother. Yeah, but then sometimes they're god awful. Yeah, sometimes they're bad, but that's why you have to do it. <laughs> you have to try. Like I don't know what you thought, but let's talk our next book: Joker Year, the villain number one, writer John Carpenter, art by Philip Tan. Yeah, that was really bad. It was the shits. I mean, I I kind of got a laugh out of it. So. This story was about a Joker and one of his henchmen had escaped from Gotham, uh, from Arkham. And then they, uh, Joker basically goes on a rampage. They, um, steal Batman and Robin costumes from, <laughs> from a liquor from store. A convenience store. Yeah. And, uh, he runs around being, uh, Batman. The, the funniest story in it is, and this, uh, a more ridiculous thing is this takes place during the City of Bane thing. Where this would not be allowed, they would be caught. But he, the funniest part was Joker sees uh, a guy walk at his dog, and he's like, "No, no, no! Oh this God, right. there's something going on with that guy because the city's way too dangerous now for him just to be walking the dog." So he jumps down and he's talking to the guy, and the guy's like, "Well, what? I'm just out talking to my walking my dog," and then he's like. He has a gun and Joker shoots him and then he's like, the dog has a gun too. And then he shoots the dog. So he is acting like a cop, actually. I knew it. I knew you couldn't help yourself. (laughs) With the murdering of the innocent dog. (laughs) And uh, then something, something I'm sure people were very upset with. Enchantress is in the town because the Suicide Squad's got something going on. And, uh, by the way, odd that they're keeping up with present DC continuity, but the Suicide Squad is still a thing. I'm sure it's still a thing. I, we're just not reading it. Well, it can't it. be. Amanda Waller's in hiding, and they destroyed Argus, so there there can't be a task force. I'm next. still sure there's a Suicide Squad <laughs> book going on right now, and I'm sure they found a way to write around the fact that they're doing stuff with Amanda Waller. You have to remember, this is modern day rebirth. They're... they're Waller stood could be pulling the strings for Suicide Squad, and they completely just know something what's going on in event Latin. Maybe I don't know, but uh, so Enchantress is uh, in Gotham, and Joker's uh, sidekick Robin um, there. He he sees her, and he's just like, because he's kind of crazy too, and he's just thinking, man, she's like really hot. But then he gets angry, and he's like, but she's the kind of girl who wouldn't pay any attention to me because I'm not big enough and strong enough. And then he's like, he just like yells like, well, you think you're too good for me? And Joker decides, oh, we're going to go get her. And as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, ooh, there's some hardcore toxic masculinity on display here. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to upset people. And uh, so they go after her and then Joker ends up killing him and all the other guys he got to go along. Um, He had told Joker a story about – how he grew up and, you know, he had the bad childhood. His dad beat him and shit. Um, but uh, he eventually gets fucking terrified of Joker because Joker is a terrifying individual and he runs back to his mom. But since he told him the whole story, Joker is there mm-hmm. with his mom, doesn't kill him, beats the shit out of him, almost kills him because what? Joker likes beating Robins with yeah. with a crowbar <laughs> with blunt objects. And then he, as he's walking out, he's like, 
hey, uh, try to develop a lifelong vendetta against me because that'll make it more fun when I kill you later. <laughs> and he leaves. Now, my bigger issue with this is I actually thought it was uh, – it wasn't bad writing of Joker. I didn't think that. Uh, I, I thought John Carpenter handled Joker well, fairly well. I, I guess but, for the most part, but the, also a problem with it also was the continuity of it. Because last we saw of Joker, he was a good off. Well, as good as you could be an officer working under Bane. Well, and my my bigger issue with it was this was Joker Year of the Villain, mm-hmm. and there was no tie-in to the Year of the Villain series. Lex did not come and offer Joker something. True. Lex didn't appear. They didn't mention it. They didn't mention anything else that was going on. So it it just wasn't a year of the villain tie-in. It was, well, we have to do one of these for all the villains. So let's do one for Joker, and the gimmick will be John Carpenter's writing it. And we don't actually have to deal with the story we've been telling and all these other ones. So also I don't go I don't go out of my way to say this because often art is all over the place but this art I found especially bad. See, I didn't mind the art. Uh, normally if the art is just okay or if kind of bad I won't say anything about it but if it's especially bad I'll go out of my way to mention it cuz I I thought this art in particular especially with the way Joker was drawn I was like what's what's the deal with Joker is like It was too I think he was it was intentional cuz he's I mean, it was, it was from the point of view of two crazy people. Mm. So I was okay that it was a little tweaked. I, the art didn't bother me. Cause there was some it art was, in some of these week's books that, you know, I, I could, if I want nitpick, complain how it was sort of subpar, but it wasn't bad enough for me to say anything. But this I found especially bad, especially the way Joker was portrayed. It just looks like he just had his normal Joker makeup just smeared on. Yeah. And well, he just got out of prison. Did he? Actually, Joker doesn't wear Joker makeup. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm like, this doesn't make or sense. Or maybe cause... he does now. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, but the thing is, he's also acting out of continuity for the... The next the next Joker book we have to read is whatever Johns puts out is uh, three Jokers thing. Again, I have to remind you, it came out and we never read it. Oh, yeah. I think, I, I think we, we got to go back and read that. Yeah, I know. Well, we have if we have a slow week, we can go back and Do read. Do you know it. what it was called? It may have been called Three Jokers. We it, gotta find. When out. I'm not, uh, you know, doing the stuff for the show, I can actually probably look it up. Uh, it's a good thing you brought up Event Leviathan because I almost forgot that and Flash. So let's go to Event Leviathan five of six. Writer by Michael Bendis, art by Alex Maleev. Well, uh, not exciting for you, but we effectively found out who Leviathan is. Mm-hmm. And while it's not like a big name, it 100% makes sense, which I could appreciate. The, the book did open up with them, uh, cause Lois Lane had her, her new team, you know, Dibney and Constantine and Zatanna, who are there because uh, Batman and Superman aren't good with magic, so she thought maybe she'd get another angle. And they did point out, well, everybody on the internet thought it was Max Lord. <laughs> so, but we went to see Max Lord, and let me tell you what he was doing, he, he wishes that he would have been Leviathan. <laughs> and they didn't say what it was, but it was apparently quite em- embarrassing. They didn't come out and say it, but, uh, 
Leviathan is Mark Shaw, who is the original Manhunter. Ah, okay, because I'm like, they they revealed it, but they kept dancing around it, so I wasn't sure who it was. Because, well, yeah, because well, because they never actually said like he goes to. He gave kind of a hit because Manhunter wore like this metal robot mask, mm-hmm. and Leviathan was talking to Superman, and he's like, he's like, well, you're wearing that mask. He's like, well, it's not really a mask. And the other thing was, um, I could tell right off because on the front cover, Superman is punching this logo, yeah. which I guess is the Leviathan logo. If you look at Manhunter's old costume, he has that on his costume. Uh-huh. And when I went to look into it after to see if I missed any hints, there was actually a big hit in uh, um, uh, that Legion of Superheroes book we read. Because mm. in one of the timelines, there were these doors that had the fucking Leviathan logo all over them. Ah. But they were colored slightly different, and they looked dead like the Manhunter logo. So, and also the fact that the female Manhunter was there and was targeted and it didn't make sense. But I mean, all the stuff now, like they tried to evacuate the buildings before they blew them up. The heroes are getting offers. They're not getting murdered. They're getting kidnapped. They're not getting murdered. All that makes sense now because he, he really does believe he's doing what needs to be done and he's got people to flip to his side. So he doesn't think he's a villain and he's, Kind of not, because he hasn't really killed anyone, but he's still a villain because of what he's doing. So it still it still works. So I thought um, a clever reveal by Bendis. He did kind of show that yes, he has some grasp of the history of DC, unless he was told to do this. I I, I also did like part of the reveal was at the beginning of the book they showed a bunch of people, and one of them was Maxwell Lord. And they addressed it in the book, like, yeah, a lot of people thought it was going to be, uh, it was him. <laughs> yeah, that was great that they blew it off. But, um, yeah, so they all got together, but Leviathan was meeting with Superman, and that's what he reveals who he is, and he's trying to get Superman to come to his side, and then I, I believe the next issue is the last issue, so we get a resolution. For For someone who was complaining how the pace of this book is really slow, he found a way to catch up real fast. It's Bendis. He always does that. Yeah, but he tends to just stick everything he, in the last issue. It's yeah, it's slow. Well, he stuck it in the issue before the last issue. So, he's, he's improving. I'll give him that much. The, and I mean, he's got he's got some new tech, so he can like he 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 has Superman in like a a cage that the government built to contain Superman's son if he ever goes bad. And he was kind of using that as a, like, seriously, we're going to trust, like, you're seriously going to trust these people. They built countermeasures for your 12-year-old son. Yeah. Like, isn't that kind of, which, you know, the funny part is Batman has fucking countermeasures for all of them. But. Yeah, but it's Batman. Yeah, I know, but he got in trouble for that. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, he, That's something he would do, but when people found out, yeah, they're not cool with but the thing is that that's what you would expect from Batman. The fact that the government has that kind of stuff for Superman is kind of messed up. Yeah, but not shocking. Batman is standoff and rude, so you kind of expect him to do stuff like that. And also, uh, you were right. The, the three Joker story has not been revealed yet. Told you. Yeah, I was looking. I was, I was searching for it just now and I'm like, no, it's not out yet. 
Yeah, just like uh, John's, it's something that should have been came out a while ago and still hasn't. I I so I hope someone addressed that at the panel. It's I kind of like, love I kind of love Jeff Johns and the fact that he just can't get any book out ever. <laughs> We're relaunching Shazam. It's not that complicated of a book, but I can't write that motherfucker. <laughs> and well, okay, I can understand maybe he's doing something high concept with three Jokers and the Doomsday Clock. Okay, whatever, okay. I'll let oh, it go. Yeah. That's nice to think. He also, he's focusing so much time on Doomsday Clock that he can't finish Doomsday Clock. But I'm saying Shazam, Shazam, you can't just give that to somebody else to do. It's Shazam. It's a very oh, low no, tier book. That's his. Oh, God. Motherfucker. It's a good thing he's not right. Like, I was bitching about Bendis writing Legion. Mm. I mean, this actually, I've liked this enough that it kind of, I'm like, ah, I'll get Bendis. Yeah, but you know, you know what? The, well, yeah. I was about to say, the strength of this is. He's writing a bunch of characters with a bunch of different voices, and that's usually his weakness. Whereas, yeah, it's like DC is forcing him to do. Yeah, but then you, you read his Legion book, and he's found his little pet character that's going to have be the focus of everything, and that's terrible. We don't know that yet. We have to wait. We have to wait for the first issue to see. Well, with so this, it's... with this, it's also he's writing a bunch of high-profile characters that people kind of know what they sound like, so he can't get away with writing stuff he, the way he wants to. Even even John Constantine sounded like John Constantine. Yeah, but I'm saying those are big, you know. Oh, and by the way, the swerve was it was Lois's dad. But it turned out it wasn't Lois's dad. It's just Lois's dad agrees with it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was it was a good issue. This is the best issue of the series easily. Yeah, that was, there's the cute little scene that where they're all they're all surrounding uh, Lois's dad. And it's like, uh, can you explain to them why you, they all think Leviathan's you? And he's like, because I agree with him. And then he shot someone in the head, even though he's dying. Because <laughs> their dad's a badass. So, yeah, next issue is the finale. All right. And our final book from DC Comics, Flash 80, where Joshua Williamson, art by Scott Collins. Um, so the uh, we, we had the two things going on. Uh, uh, reverse or Professor Zoom is back. And he's stealing the other forces, which he's trying to explain to Flash because that'll keep us alive. Because I, I will be able to stop the Black Flash. Death Flash. He is called the Black Flash, isn't yeah. he? Yes, he's called the Black Flash. Not, not, not Wally West. The, uh, not the, Wallace, the, you're right, yes. Yeah, the one who wears a black costume. Not Kid Flash, the yeah. one who wears a black costume, the mm-hmm. skeleton-looking Flash. Actually, can't we, just call, can, can we just call him Kid Flash now? We can, because that's his name. Yeah, there's only, he's only he's Kid a, Flash. He's officially Kid Flash, and while he's fucking around in Scott Lobdell universe, which we have another issue of next week, by the way, mm-hmm. um, which I have to read. <laughs> Poor fucking Wally. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. So Kid Flash and the girl whose name I keep forgetting because they won't give her a superhero name and she's just Avery. Yeah. A terrible, even though she has a costume. Um, everybody's powers are fucked up. Um, Fuerza is hidden, so the strength force is safe. But in this one, the Black Flash comes and makes Flash tell him where the other forces are. But, uh, Professor Zoom comes in, and he's like, oh, no, we're not going to do that, and he throws him away or whatever. Um, 
but he reveals he's collecting all the forces so that he can stop him and presumably be super powerful. And he also tried to explain why he's not really that much of a bad guy. He just wants all the forces so he can have complete control over the multiverse, (laughs) (laughs) which is something a good guy would do. Um, Fuerza, or not Fuerza, sorry, that fucking, her name is strong. I, I fuck it, I can't get over that. And it's like, she, she lives in a world where they, in a country where they speak Spanish. So it's like, if you're in America, that's a fine name, but if you're in Spanish, they're calling you fucking strong. Okay, but and your fine, power is, but you're fine with strong. Eddie, but you're fine with Eddie Guerrero? Isn't that his real name? Yes. That's his real name. Yeah, but Guerrero means warrior in Spanish. I know, but that's his real fucking name. This is her. She could have picked any name and she's strong and she picks strong. I guess she realized she was going to deal with a bunch that's of That's like if, if the fucking Adam was a Mexican, the Adam was a Mexican. He didn't call himself Pequeño. Actually, that'd be pretty awesome if he did. No, it's terrible because it's, they're just like, well, hey, you- small, like your your name is a fucking adjective. And it shouldn't be. It should be a title. But anyway. Um, but look at the adjective. Look at the adjective. <laughs> Play. It's a verb, Kevin Nash. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I'm still upset about that. I know you're a fucking pro wrestler, but basic goddamn English. Yeah, I know. The The adjective would be big because it was where the big To be boys fair, played. he was a heel and you kind of want your heel to be stupid. But he didn't want to be stupid. He wanted to be cool. That's what fucking ruined wrestling. Wrestling still ruined because of that cool heel bullshit. <sighs> God damn it. Well, anyway, uh, Avery and Kid Flash, of course, have found the powered up rogues who would fucking own them. So they were discussing, should we actually try to stop them or should we wait for Flash? And we didn't get a reveal on what they're going to do, you know, since Flash is dead. Black Flash killed him. What was going to happen was Black Flash was trying to kill Professor Zoom, but Flash ran in front of him and got murdered from what I could see. And we found out earlier, since the Speed Force is all fucked up, his uh, advanced healing is not working very well right now. Like they they showed it because he got a cut and he was actually bleeding, whereas normally – he, you know, he heals at super speed, so he just would have healed, but he was bleeding, which was your sign that, yeah, my powers ain't working right. Well, all the so Flash powers are barely dead. Right. All the Flash yeah, powers no, aren't no. working right. But they, they come and they go. Hmm. So, yeah. All right, that's going to do it so for that. There. Yep, that's going to do it for the DC portion of the show. Let's move on to Marvel with Doctor Doom, number one writer Christopher Cantwell, art by Salvador Lacaro. I like this. I like this a lot more than I thought it was going to, because I'm like, yeah, I've heard burying I, me. I have not heard of this writer before, because cool, you were burying part of the book, and I was like, then oh, it's, I your, wa- I, it's your own fault. I wasn't for- though. I, I, okay, wait. Let me explain that right off. I was burying the beginning of the book because Richards and Stark developed a device that would suck CO2 emissions out of the Earth, and then. They built a black hole on the moon that they were going to dump the things in. And I said, why the fuck would you build a black hole 
and put it on the moon. That is the stupidest, most dangerous thing I've ever heard. And even Dr. Doom, they had him on a cable news show to discuss it. And he pointed out how fucking stupid it was. And they're they're like, oh, well, you're just saying that because you weren't involved. And he's like, no, it's going to be a fucking failure. You guys are stupid. And they cuts the connection. And he's like, bring me that reporter. <laughs> bring me Steve. <laughs> Steve! <laughs> he, he tells Victorious, bring me Steve! <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he's got that going on. But meanwhile, he retires to his study and fucking Kang just shows up. And apparently Kang has been showing up. And he and doesn't. He doesn't yeah. Yeah. He doesn't remember, but he shows up and he's talking to him and he's like, oh, Dr. Doom, you're, you're you seem a little down. And Doom starts talking to him about it and then he disappears again. But Doom is also getting uh, visions of like another timeline. Where he's married and has kids and is a respected member of society who's helped the world, but they're in and out. Like they flicker in and out and something happens where their, uh, uh, their black hole device gets blown up and then a bunch of missiles launch from, uh, from where does he live? Latavia? Uh, God, I should know this is a huge... Latveria? Country. One Lat- of them's Lat- a real Ver- country. Latveria, there we go. Yeah, because there's a real country that sounds like it. Um, but missiles launch up at the same time, so Doom runs the control room, and he's like, what the fuck happened? Who launched the missiles? And they're like, well, there was an explosion on the moon, and then the missiles launched. So it wasn't us, but since, you know, like 3,000 people died, like the workers up there or whatever, all the superheroes and all the military is coming to get doom. And the first one to get there is fucking union Jack who, you know, I like him, but he he ain't going to take doom out. But doom is trying to say, you know, I'm turning myself in because I had nothing to do with this, but they still want to fight him. But doom is dedicated to turning himself in. He tells all the people surrender, complete surrender right now. He's he's being a very sensible doom, and he's he's got to try to explain this, but we don't know what's going on. So it was a good first issue. Um, art was good. Uh, the writing of Doom was fairly strong. I did think for Doom the fact that he would give up to prove his innocence that quickly was a little out of character. Uh, I know I. I... No, because I can see Doom being like, if I really meant to do it, believe me, you would know. Everybody would know. Well, they fucking did know. He blew the shit up after trashing it on TV. Although, at the same time, he did have the reporter kind of strung up and was going to fucking torture him and kill him. That was great. (laughs) So, Steve. (laughs) Steve is my favorite character. He's a douchebag Fox News host. He was made up in the Hannibal Lecter mask and he was held over like a vat of ass or something. (laughs) Because they're trying to show that Doom is sensible, but he's still Doctor Doom. Yes, oh, and he also did he did magic in the issue, so he's doing the funny Doctor Strange hand finger movements. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, it was it was good though. It was a good start. This is gonna get canceled after six issues. I don't course. care. So, but I will read it for those six issues. Yeah, I'll read for all those uh, six issues, and I'm sure they'll all be good. Yeah. No, yeah, this is shockingly enjoyable. Yes. So. 
Good for that. Magnificent Miss Marvel 8, writer Saladin Ahim, art by Joey Vasquez. I'm disappointed where this story went. Because it's going in the very obvious direction. Well, because I thought this was going to be like, okay, uh, Miss Marvel's going to hang out with her buddies and we're going to have like a fun little road trip story. And instead, we got the evil corporation who took over a town, literally took over a town. And, you know, she ends up fighting them because her new costume is a symbiote, apparently. See, that's the part where I'm the subplot of this, the symbiote doing his own thing. It's like, yeah, that was, but it, it, because first it tried to help her out. It got, they put her in like, uh, power constraining cuffs and it got those off, but then it almost killed, uh, killed a dude. Mm -hmm. And she basically had to tell it to stop. So that's very black Spider-Man costumey, which I didn't like. Um, but yeah, they uh they fought off the evil corporation. She stopped. I think he was Uncle Steve too, mm-hmm. or Uncle Billy, maybe it was Uncle Billy. I think was his name because the evil Rubicon is a family, <laughs> <laughs> and he told her you can't call me. And his real name is Monopoly, which is, I guess it's not trademark infringing because he's not a board game. Um, really, I thought Miss Marvel was fighting a board game here. No, she was not. He was like a big, <laughs> gross monster. Yeah, I, I, know, I know, but I'm, yeah. but I'm going with this as if you're being truthful. <laughs> no, I'm going with the idea of, uh, you know, we live in a t- litigious society. So I don't know. Maybe what she was fighting a board game and we didn't know. Man, we don't know. He could change shape. We don't know what he really looks like. He could be a board game. He could have a, actually, the Monopoly guy doesn't have a monocle, but he does have a top hat. A small lawsuit. Yep, they should sue Disney. Everybody should sue Disney. <laughs> but uh he okay, so she freed everyone from his control, but he wasn't arrested because they signed a contract. This is such fifth grade fucking legal understanding. Well, yeah. You, you can't enslave people because they agreed to be enslaved. It is in fact still illegal. But apparently no laws are broken because they signed a contract. That's not how contracts work. It's the Miss Marvel book. What do you expect? Yeah, I know. But I'm saying like, what, what are you going to say? Oh, I shot him in the head, but he signed something telling me it was okay to shoot him in the head. That's still illegal. You still can't murder somebody. Oh, no. He got off. He, and then they're, they're, if you push them, I guarantee you'd be like, well, he's rich, so he knows he could just pay a fault. Well, that's fault. what they were trying to say. I know, but still, I don't like it. Because there was also a talk about how a big company moving into Jersey is not actually a positive because they turn people into zombies or something. I don't know. I really have the subtext here, and I'm choosing to ignore it because then I'll get mad. Well, the the subtext was very badly handled. (laughs) Which is good. It was – which is funny because Warren Ellis did something in the fucking Batman story. Where he didn't try to disguise it behind zombies, and it came off much better. Well, it was a better, it was better, it was a better writer. writer. It was a better written, but not a better, but not a better argument. Oh, it was a better argument. Batman is beating the shit out of poor people. Yeah, but you can't buy a city, motherfucker. He could buy a lot of it. He could, he could pay the Gotham cops enough that they don't have to take payoffs to not do their jobs motherfuckers they probably would no they probably still would take the payoff the idea that the, i think that well he could fire him and hire somebody better 
He could make robots. Or he could uh, uh, actually that doesn't work out that well. No. They have that bad story in Captain America. The robots will all be racist. Yeah. I mean, unless unless you look that kind of thing. <laughs> racist robots. Yeah. Actually, most of the people Batman beats up are white. So it is a class issue, which really, has always been my argument. Yeah, Gotham is kind of portrayed as a white city. Yeah, you don't often see black guys. There's not a lot of blacks. And Joker world. is literally pale white. <laughs> he is the whitest of the white men. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now. I'm thinking of all the rogues gallery. I kind of want to drop this book, by the way. Although the next issue was her and Bruno kissing. I was thinking that the second you picked it, and I was like, I don't know if I want to read this book anymore. I might read the next issue. Cause I, the last storyline was kind of interesting. And then you're right. They did some, set up something kind of interesting, but the reveal of the last issue. Yeah, it would have been a fun road trip story. But the last, I didn't get it. But the last issue sort of should have been, uh, somewhat of an indicator. However, this storyline is over now. It was a two issue storyline and it's over. So yeah, I'll probably read the next issue to see. Can you? I feel bad for Abu. How how long are they going to keep stringing out this uh, Kamala Bruno kiss? They've been doing it for like eight years I now. It's, Br- Bruno but needs then, to move according on. to the cover of the next issue, because how many times have the X Men died? According to all the covers, yeah, I know. Well, usually somebody dies. In fact, in fact, funny I bring that up. That is, in fact, the cover of our next book, Powers of X Six of Six, writer Jonathan Hickman, art by R B Silva. Did somebody die on the cover? No. Uh, okay. They show Moira. She's walking through what looks like a, a park or something. And, of course, the park is littered with all the mutants. Apocalypse included. I have to I have to, I have to. see this. Okay. Oh, it is. Well, yeah, but it doesn't say, in this issue, one of the X-Men will die. No, but it's doing the cover thing where how many My X-Men day. covers are them just, you know, just sort of so, laying on, laying slain? I... I, I will say I thought this was a good capper to the uh to the X Men uh the whole thing he's been doing. Because they actually they they cut back to the past with the Moira thing, but mm-hmm. it let it play out all the way. And then they cut to the future, but actually tied it all in, you know, right before uh humanity becomes a part of the phalanx. Yeah, but I, one of the guys, he was not sure about the whole thing phalanx thing so he's got uh wolverine and moira in his uh i don't know his mutant saving habitat there's a bunch of mutants there and it's the only place mutants are but he's suggesting you know we can uh you know maybe i'll let you go but then moira's like okay i've seen all this now so you have to kill me so i could be reborn um, and that was the Moira who goes back to talk to Xavier and tries and is the one who, you know, reveals this is all that happens. And what Moira basically reveals to Xavier is you fail. You always fail. Mm-hmm. No matter what, the X-Men mutants will always fail. That's the thing. Unless we do something drastic. And in a lot of the write-ups, it turned out because they had like it ended with like Moira's diaries, which you probably didn't read. No. Um yeah, you should have, um, because it's hugely important to what's going on. I figure it's at this her, point now, I figure you'll just tell me. It's her basically uh, chronicling. Um, she's talking about the present timeline we're in, like the mistakes 
that they've done and you know by me doing this did i make things worse because we find out in this that uh moira decided she can't she can't be an active participant in all this she's done what she set out to do Mm -hmm. which is you know apocalypse all the mutants getting together and not necessarily trying to make friendly with the humans because it never works i've seen it in every mix of ways but so she's kind of removed herself from it but she's still involved secretly and in this issue they sort of discuss well don't we eventually have to reveal this to the people and she's like oh no we can't reveal it to them so that's going to be a plot thread that runs through his thing well then i'm also i'm also thinking didn't they allude that emma's already knows and that she may spill the beans at any point they didn't a hundred percent know that okay. they they were she doesn't like that sinister has been brought in she doesn't she understands apocalypse being brought in yeah, but but she doesn't she's really, fine with apocalypse but not sinister well because sinister is fucking batshit crazy and also sinister uh in some of her timelines um always oh, fucked things up badly oh, okay and the whole him creating the new mutants thing, uh, what he originally did has been accelerated. It's happened like 20 years sooner than it should have happened. And that goes to no good places. So, but, you know, we're getting 27 new X-Men books out of this. And one of them I linked to because I'm like, oh, the new mutant book, it's being written by Bryson and Hickman. Which means Bryson's writing it, who I like. And Hickman <laughs> is throwing in some ideas for the first issue. But it's okay, because at least one of those books has a writer I like on it. Yeah. That's not Hickman. And I was so, so I, I was, I know it makes you mad, which is why I held back and I just wrote, I know. I was yeah, gonna, and I was, I was like, God damn it, I thought that was new news. I was going to say, but, late slip, me. And I hoped, I hoped you understood the significance of, Putting those two writers on it means just one of them's writing it. No, I was not aware. And Hickman's name is just attached. A book does not need two writers. An offshoot and the the plot of that new mutants book is these are the the people who are ushering in the mutants who the new mutants ah. to Krakoa and gets them used to Krakoa. So that'll be the book. Where we find out more about how the mutant society actually. I'm just worked. glad we're getting a book with Doug Friend and uh, and Warlock. <laughs> Which, when you consider the way the story is going, he should be kind of a big deal. Well, Warlock's not there; just Doug Friend is there. Oh, I thought Warlock was there. I th- I think he's on the, the the book though. Is he? I believe. Okay, so. well that's fine. Well, the Phalanx are kind of important ten thousand years from now. That's why I said they she should be kind of front so. center of this this book but uh i guess we'll re- doug, have to read to find out and doug friend who's apparently just hanging out with giant krakoa face fucking making <laughs> well, sandwiches he's, he's kind of a big deal because he's the only one that the, that can talk to the krakoas yeah so that's fun but i am excited for where this is gonna go now and i thought like i said he eventually tied everything in so there you go i'm okay with it i'm hyped and i don't get hyped i, I stay, stay hyped, hyped. yeah <laughs> Although I don't know how hyped he is these days. And you can't teach. Well, he almost had a job fucking ROH. But it got all fucked up because ROH fans are a bunch of bastards. Well, to be, at least he now he resigned probably for a lot more money. 
I don't. They don't want them though. That was the problem. Actually, what fucked them was WWE came out and said we're not talking to them. We don't want them. Oh, I was talking about uh, Mr. Hype. Enzo? No. The the hype guy. Oh, Mojo. Mojo. There we go. I think he's losing matches to Zack Ryder on main event. Hey. I, considering what they're paying folks in WWE nowadays, I would take that gig. He hasn't got a new contract yet. They might actually let him go. You know who has the Swiss gig, right? Bischoff. Oh, yeah. He gets paid to go to catering. <laughs> <laughs> he does nothing. God, I want that gig. So do I. Just pay me to fucking travel and eat catering. I'll hang out at the show. I'll leave halfway through, and I'll go get some food I actually want. There's war. Well, I'd I've, be on Yelp in every fucking taping. Like, okay, well, I've heard, good. I've heard the the catering's really good. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Okay, well, I'll go there and I'll eat catering for free. Nice. And he's an office employee, so they pay his hotel and his transportation. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. So he's got. He's not talent, so he's got it way better. He's on easy street then. I know. Good for him. I mean, he's a horrible human being, does not a book pro wrestling, does nothing about pro wrestling, but good for him. Well, I could say the same about AEW. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking young bucks losing in the first round of the God, I can't get over that. I know you that's what you've guaranteed You've guaranteed now that the titles mean nothing because everyone will know the top team is still the Bucks. God. Yeah, I know. Well, let's uh, let's uh, wrap up this week's show with next week's books, and then we can talk about pro wrestling when the folks just tune out. I don't have a lot to say. Were you forced to pick a song at the last minute? I actually like Roderick Strong's original NXT music. His new music is just the undisputed theme. Because what you guys which don't, I've already picked. What you guys don't understand is Alex originally picked the Ultimate Warrior promo where he talks about Hulk Hogan taking commandeering the plane and driving into parts unknown. It's three minutes and fifty nine seconds long, and Tony's like, "You picked a over three minute long promo," and I was thinking, like, "Yeah, I you could only you have to play the whole thing." <laughs> it, I would have done that if you would have insisted. I was like, "Actually, that might be kind of funny." Well, I could have picked a fill a spaceship with a rocket fuel, fill it with the words, but I don't like that one as much. I like this one because it starts out. It's like a Samoa Joe promo. Well, I could have played like thirty it seconds. Starts of out it. really soft. Oh, Turn the plane into a nosedive. The pilots have already made the ultimate sacrifice. All right, let's look at these next week's books. You still there? Uh Uh-oh. I don't think Skype was particularly kind with you talking about commandeering a plane and taking it into a nosedive. It's probably something on your end. All right, I'll do my best and uh, let's see if I can get Alex back. But I'll uh, I'll look over comiclist.com right now for some books and uh, maybe we'll get Alex back. But from DC Comics, we have Batman eighty one. Okay, we also have from DC. Sorry, I got confused with Dark Horse. Uh, 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, good. Good. Fill the spaceship with the rock. Is flash forward, yeah. Is flash forward the... That's the, that's the Wally thing that we have to read because I love punishing myself. I'm going to hate read it. It's not that bad. It had its moments. We picked Batman 81 flash forward too, right? Yeah. Okay, Metal Men 1 of 12 is not no. being written by Jonathan Hickman, so I'm not reading it. Okay, good. It's it's not being written by a new writer either. Superman Year 1. So you brought up a book that we're not going to read. No, we're going to read Superman Year 1. No, I'm talking about Metal Men. Yeah, we're not going to read Metal Men. It's being written by the former fucking editor of DC. He's shit. I'm not reading it. If if that's a book that that Tom King should have done with Mitch Gerards, who by the way is is drawing a part of the next Batman issue to get him ready for uh Adam Strange. I hope we get a a light week cuz that Superman year 1 is a is a big read. Yeah, it's the last issue though. I gotta finish it. Well, so far I think that's the only DC, other DC book we have. So let's see if we can move on to Image. What Batman and Batman yeah, Flash Forward too? Yeah, All good. right. Well, that that freaking Superman book's gonna be like three books on one. So okay. So going down, going down, 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 down. Marvel Absolute Carnage number four. Wow, nothing from Image, huh? Nope. So, Absolute Carnage, number four. Every Marvel book has 10 million fucking different covers. Because, you know, not only do we have to do a million books, we have to do 18 well, covers I, the, the Carnage series has had a bunch of varying covers. And this this series must be doing selling particularly well, because we're getting a million Variant covers of all these issues. We're already on issue four, and they're still doing like nine variant covers. Uh, uh, looking through all those issues, the next book I want to read is X Men number one, and that's all the books I have wow, for next week. Wow, really? Yep. So we're gonna have to come up with something. It's not gonna be three Jokers because that didn't come out. No, and the thing is, but at the same time, that's Superman Year One. That's at least three books, but we we have five books. If I treat the Superman year one book like three books, that puts us at seven books. There's got to be something Still else. Going. And with the thing is, even though it's going to be the length of three books, we're not going to talk about it as if it were three and, books. And it's certainly not going to be the quality of three books. I can tell you that right now. No. No. Well, but hey, that's that's all we got so far. No. Sorry. Right. I've, I've given up. I'm just looking at the cover of X-Men number one. Which cover? The the main cover. I don't recognize that guy oh, okay. in the back. Because it's got the new cable, uh, Cyclops' dad. Oh, God. Who's the guy in the back? He's not a mutant. Who? Corsair is not a mutant. Yeah, but who's the guy in the back? I don't know. I'm not looking at it. I'm getting some food because okay. the show's almost over. Okay, some goofball. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, Hope is there. Alex is there. Well, she's she's one of the five. Yeah. Uh, Alex Summers is there. Havoc. Wolverine Havoc. is there. 
surprised he's AKA. I'm surprised he's acknowledging Cable's existence. I might go see uh Joker. I might go see um Joker tomorrow. Nice. After reading all these Joker books. It, oh god, I read the fuck can I talk about this? I read the funniest fucking CBR had a review of the John Carpenter Joker book. And it opens up with three paragraphs on the Joker movie and how they were worried it was gonna be about toxic masculinity. And I'm like, oh CBR, never change. No. That's disappointing. Never change. What about that trailer made them think it was gonna be about toxic masculinity? Is what I want. Because one of the early uh one of the early um scripts suggested that a girl blowing off led to him becoming Joker. Mm-hmm. Which would be toxic masculinity. I don't know if that's technically and I had a yes, because a woman blew him off, so he started just raping women left and right as Joker. Mind raping them. Oh, okay. Toxic masculinity. And then he raped Barbara. Which used to be known as being an asshole. But now it's masculinity. Alright, that's gonna do it for this week's show. So from all of us at Habgard.com, thanks for checking out this week's show, and as always, check you guys out next week. Adios.